Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun, sermonaudio.com. My name is Bob, and this is the North Korea audio weblog. Today I'm reading from uh, CB, which is Crossing Borders, a local group for me here in Glenview, Illinois. Um, and I've gone to their website and found a few uh, more recent things, although they were first, some of them posted a long time ago. But, but as they say, there is a flurry of news coming out of the Korean Peninsula these days. Nuclear tests, missile launches, political jockeying, uh, and of course the murder of one of our citizens recently. It's enough to make your head spin, but all the news can distract us from the lives that have been lost and the potential lives that can be lost. It can distract us from the suffering of the North Korean people. Now, surely weapons are important, but they're important because they can take human lives. Now, for 14 years, Crossing Borders has been working to improve a handful of those lives. We've, we've felt the tears of these people on our shoulders. We've held the hands of children who have been left behind as their mothers are held captive in North Korean prison camps. Kyung Tae's mother, for example, was in our network, but was arrested and sent back to North Korea. In 2009, there were years and years of darkness for this boy. He didn't smile. He said very little for the ensuing three years after his mother's arrest. But in recent years, he's been changing and light is returning to his life. He still misses his mother, but he is now moving toward adulthood. Recently, he was selected for a work-study program at his school. He's studying to become a mechanical engineer. A company paid to have him work at a factory in South China. When he returned home to his father, Kyung Tae proudly handed him about a hundred dollars. His father broke down in tears. Kyung Tae is turning 18 this year. We're still waiting for his mother to be released from prison. We'll continue to pray for the politics and the men at the top who are in control, but we also pray for the muffled groans of the people of North Korea. As we read the news and wonder what will happen next, let's remember those who will be affected most by the decisions of the powerful and pray for a brighter future for all. And then this was originally um, written in 2015, what I read to you now, as the political conditions in and around the Korean Peninsula continue to escalate. We still hold on to hope. We don't trust in politicians or armies. We trust in the ironclad determination of the North Korean people and the God more and more of them are turning to daily. If you've been following along with us as we post the latest about North Korean refugees, you might have been dismayed. Yes, North Korea continues to wield its influence in the world through essentially pitting the two largest world powers against one another, and yes, the most powerful agent of change, reunification, does not seem likely as interest wanes in South Korea, but as stacked as the deck is against the North Korean people and North Korean refugees in hiding, it's not all doom and gloom. Andre Lankov, a professor at Kukmin University, reported last year that North Korea's prison camp population is in sharp decline. 
refugees report that the tactic of punishing a refugee's whole family for a single person's crime is no longer enforced. He cites the number of North Koreans in prison camps at around 80,000 to 120,000, down from around 200,000 just a few years ago. Famine seems unlikely despite the North's claims as such. Um, the North Korean farmers are being given an unprecedented amount of freedom, and these changes seem to be paying off. China has also said they would supply food aid to North Korea should the worst occur. But what makes us at crossing borders the most optimistic has nothing to do with policy decisions. It has more to do with spirit and strength. One North Korean refugee who we helped early on told us a story about his life and times in North Korean prison camps. He described the cramped cells he had to sleep in, where people were packed in so tight that no one could move. Uh, they slept without mats or blankets on concrete floors, and their bodies would develop sores every night from being in the same position for hours. This young man said that during these times, he laughed harder than he had in his whole life. Now, the people he shared these cells with became his best friends. And there's a certain fondness he still holds for his time in what is known as the worst system of political prison camps in the world. Now, we make sure that along with helping the people in our network, we try to play games with them and have fun. One very popular game we like to play is called This is Fun. It's basically a staring contest where a group of people sit in a circle and try to make others laugh while not cracking a smile themselves. If you smile, you're out. Well, a couple of years ago, we were playing This is Fun with some of our refugees and orphans. One of our U.S. staff members and a master at this game was left with one other refugee woman in the circle. The woman endured the famine, was sold, was placed in hard labor in North Korea's prison camps, and was raising a daughter under China's brutal zero-tolerance policy for North Korean refugees. She's a strong woman. During this game, her eyes became cold and she would not crack. The other staff members who witnessed this said that the look in her eyes terrified them. The game ended in a draw and everyone who witnessed this was left mildly disturbed at how strong-willed this woman was. But this strong, seemingly callous exterior is symbolic of the millions of North Koreans and North Korean refugees who have survived the worst of conditions. These people may seem cold and hardened on the outside, but this is because of their impervious will to survive. It comes from a heart that would not allow the worst of all evils to bring them to dismay. <clears throat> It comes from people who could laugh at the most desperate of circumstances and come out without going insane. This is what gives us the most hope. It's not for a better political future. It is for these people who have endured famine and death. It's for those who have seen the very worst of humanity, lying, cheating, stealing, even cannibalism. And yet many North Korean refugees have found a way to protect themselves and their dignity. 
no matter what these people have endured and will face in the future, no matter how long they'll have to witness such horror, they will not be broken. And in this we see the grace of God. The faith that is at the core of what we do inspires and motivates us to make our operations the best they can be. It drives us to help more people, a people certainly worth helping. <clears throat> and then uh, I want you to meet Chunjin. Chunjin, and I'm not sure when this was posted, but Chunjin, uh, his mother was a North Korean refugee who was sold to his father. He's 17 years old. He's inching ever closer to adulthood. He is a child who is the closest in our network to starting his career. It is crossing borders goal to prepare him and all the children in our network for adulthood. In 2014, 75% of our children had a plan for their future. Today, that percentage is at 92. We hope to make it 100%. When Crossing Borders started, Chunjin was just three years old. There's a whole generation of children who were born in the wake of the great North Korean famine. As refugees rushed out of North Korea, they were sold to Chinese men who were in need of wives. Most of the children in our network were born between 1998 and 2005. The UN estimates that there are 20,000 to 30,000 of these children. Chun Jin was born in 1999. Now, Chun Jin is in our orphanage and has access to a number of good vocational programs. The woman who oversees his orphanage employs a military-style training for the children in her home. Each morning, the kids wake up and do an hour of exercise outside. They have breakfast, they wash, they get ready for school. And their time after school is also regimented. She hopes to instill a self-discipline in these children that will last them a lifetime. Chun Jin expressed to us last year that he would like to become a hairstylist. And well, we put him in a program that will get him ready for this job. And for eight hours or more per day, he's snipping, brushing, cleaning, and blow-drying his way to complete his training. He'll be finished this year. And if everything works out, he'll be our first child to come off our aid to start a career. It's taken us 14 years, an immense amount of resources, and focused effort to get to this point. We hope this is the start of something great in his life and in the lives of many North Korean orphans like him. <clears throat> My fourth story, also, again, I'm not sure about when it was first posted, most of these look pretty recent. It says, change takes time. It hardly happens overnight. This is especially true for North Korean orphans and refugees who have often been through so much before we meet them. It's the most rewarding thing for us to watch it happen over the course of years. That's exactly what took place last year for Sung Mei. Now, Sung Mei is a North Korean orphan who's North Korean mother was sold to her Chinese father in China's expansive sex trade. Her mother left her and was captured by several Chinese men, locked up, abused, and murdered. She came into the care of her aunt who neglected her. We brought Sung Mei into our orphan care program and the network in 2011. 
She was twelve and did well under the care of a pastor and his wife. She received the love, nurture, and healing that she needed in this home. In 2012, we held a sex ed class in this home. We realized that the Chinese educational system does not provide this, and parents don't usually educate children about it. Since she and most of the other housemates were in their teens, we thought this was an appropriate subject. Well, during this time, Sung Mi kept her head down and didn't want to say anything. After the seminar, we pulled her aside and asked what was wrong. She told us that, the, that she was sexually abused while she was living with her aunt. We prayed with her and continued to encourage her to deal with her emotions surrounding this event. Well, Sung Mei received the love she needed in this home, but last year we realized she needed something more, and that was direction. That's why we moved her to an orphanage in a different city this fall to help her gain skills that will help her be self-sufficient. She currently attends a school where she's learning to become a kindergarten teacher. Sung Mei has been thriving in her new environment. She's in her first year at her vocational school that is designed to train kindergarten teachers. She was recently selected by her school <coughs> to read the announcements, excuse me, <coughs> announcements over the PA system. She's also been elected to her student council. She's a leader in her new home as well and has caught the attention of the head of the orphanage. Well, this is exactly what we work so hard to do, to watch the people in our network thrive. This year we've seen a lot of that, and from Sung Mei to, to Susanna, who was cured of glaucoma, which caused blindness, we've seen some amazing turns in people's lives. So here is, well, this is my comment, this is, this is Jesus on the ground, you know, doing, doing the works of the Father. Some of them, I'm sure, do experience the miraculous. Others, just the day-by-day -day progress of getting ready for and living life after North Korea. Life after North Korea. It's, a, it's an awful thing to contemplate for some. This one is from Voice of the Martyrs. It was published or posted in June of 2014. And it's about Songbun. Please pay attention now. <clears throat> the Songbun Files. The North Korean government keeps files on all of its citizens. The files follow them throughout their lives, noting any details of interest, including details of the family's connections since 1949, when the Communist Revolution took place. Every file includes the subject's photo, grandfather's name, witness statements, and a list of the person's good and bad activities. That's called their Songbun file. A person's Songbun file affects the outcome of every significant junction in his or her life. University access, job placement, promotion, military advancement, and even where one can live and what food and health care are available are all dictated by what is written in the Songbun file. The Songbun system was launched in North Korea in 1957. Songbun, and if I'm pronouncing that wrong, forgive me, but it's translated as ingredient. Ingredient effectively means background. Now, through Songbun, the state categorizes its citizens based on perceived political allegiance to the regime. 
Under Songbun, citizens fall into three broad categories, core, basic, and complex, which means wavering and even hostile. These files are even color-coded. Those with high Songbun status have a red file folder, while the folders of political offenders are black. The core class is made up of the ruling elite, or policymakers, and the broader elite, those who dominate administrative structures, the military, security agencies, and other managerial positions. Only those with a Songbun core status may live in Pyongyang. About 28% of the population is considered core class, core status. An estimated 40% of the population is in the basic class. The remaining 25% is in the wavering and hostile class. Any number of small infractions can lower a person's Songbun status, and penalties are applied collectively and across three generations of a family. A person's life prospects can be affected by something his or her uncle did decades ago. When charged with crimes, those with lower Songbun are treated more harshly, based on the idea that these people are built to do bad things, built in quotes. One of North Korea's four known prison camps has two separate sections, a maximum security area for lower class citizens incarcerated for life, and another area for those with very good Songbun who might be released after convincing authorities of their political rehabilitation or the payment of bribes. Acts of disloyalty against the regime are easy to commit, even unintentionally. In testimony before a UN Human Rights Commission, North Korean defectors detailed their own family's fall from favor. One person told how his father was sent to a prison camp after using a newspaper page to mop up a spilled drink. Why? Well, the page had an image of Kim Jong-il printed on it. According to another witness, <clears throat> a hospital worker was investigated by state security <clears throat> after accidentally breaking the glass on a portrait of Kim Il-sung while cleaning. Of course, those with the very lowest Songbun status are those who profess Christian faith. In North Korea, Christianity has been compared to a drug and a tool of Western and capitalist invasion. Known Christians are automatically categorized as disloyal because they do not genuinely worship the leaders, the Kim family. They don't adhere to another ideology and therefore pose, or they do adhere, to another ideology, and therefore pose a threat to the stability of the society. End of quote. One North Korean defector told about the treatment of his two Christian sisters by the regime. One who was discovered with a Bible was sentenced to 13 years in a prison labor camp. She nearly died before her brother paid a large bribe to officials to free her. His other sister was sent to a political prison camp after it was discovered that she had practiced Christianity in China. She was never heard from again. North Koreans live and die by their Songbun, but for Christians, 
and the only songbun that matters is that their names are recorded in the Book of Life. And the source is uh, the UN Human Rights Council Commission on North Korea, but uh, published by Voice of the Martyrs, and uh, thank God for that organization. I encourage you to uh, Google Voice of the Martyrs. I think it's persecution.com. There's a persecution.org that has another organization just as quality-minded in terms of North Korea. And then there's um, this group that I've been, I, I read from first, Crossing Borders. You can Google that. You'll find a lot of places that are working with the persecuted church. I encourage you to take the names down, if nothing else, and pray for these organizations and the protection of the workers who go in and find ways to bless these people. God may have a special assignment for you also. Be open to that as you pray today for North Korea. God bless you for being on board today. Stop by from time to time to see what's going on here at the Hackberry House of Chosen website, sermonaudio.com. Lord willing, we'll talk again soon. Bye-bye.